Gyms in a number of states and provinces are reopening, but some gyms are doing so with bizarre protocols. Maybe you've seen Bubble Boy, but in the next few months, many of us might experience his world, at least while exercising. As one California gym has installed shower curtain cubicles to keep members from interacting, another gym has constructed plastic exercise pods complete with dumbbells, bench, and other workout accessories. It looks a bit strange, but many fitness centers are hemorrhaging, and they need to get back to business. This may be the new normal over the next few months. Meanwhile, cases continue to climb. Texas, Alabama, Florida, Arizona, some states considering again scaling back, shutting down. The world will never be the same. But Christians already know that Jesus Christ's resurrection changed the world forever. His new creation began with him. We wait patiently for that day. No COVID, no sickness, no threats. Until then, he protects us and walks with us. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus and a program called Paul's Old New Testament. Haven Today is coming to the end of our fiscal year. It's a critical time when we need to hear from friends like you who wholeheartedly support our mission for Jesus and want to see more lives transformed by Christ. Would you pray about what you can send to help us reach June 30th and help us through the lean summer months to come? And as our thanks for your year-end gift, I'd like to send you the two-part DVD, In the Footsteps of Paul. Call us after the program at 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Mention the DVD, In the Footsteps of Paul. Or visit us online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now, let's start the program. Here's Aaron Keyes. One with the Father Being in very nature God made yourself nothing just like us Holy and humble Obedient to death on a bitter cross Therefore the Father has exalted you on high Every knee will bow down, every heart will proclaim Worthy are you, O God, name above every name We will sing Jesus is Lord Suffering Savior Freely you gave your life for us Make me a servant as you are You are 
Every knee will bow here in this haven today. And I'm Charles Morris, an opening song by Aaron Keyes. Thank you so much for joining me. Serve others. When a follower of Jesus hears that phrase, hopefully it receives a hearty amen. We all want to be good, faithful servants of the Lord and of each other, or at least I hope we do. That's what scripture calls us to do. But the moment we begin to see what servanthood really requires of us is the same moment we often fall back into selfishness. It can be so difficult to take on the role of a servant. And I think that happens especially when we think too much of ourselves, too little of others. Paul, the apostle, has a word for us on this topic in his letter to the Philippians. He's preaching to us today. Paul knew where true motivation to serve others comes from. But before he could write this letter, or any of his New Testament letters for that matter, something profound had to happen to him. First and foremost, as we read in Philippians 3, Saul was a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. His Jewish credentials were as impressive as anyone else of his day. He knew his Old Testament scriptures, and of course he knew what the prophets had to say. But Saul became Paul in his encounter with Jesus on that road to Damascus, and that's when everything changed. He had to read the Hebrew Bible all over again, and this time he began to see Christ Jesus everywhere. 
In this series we're in this week, Paul's Old New Testament, I want to begin by turning to my favorite prophet. Oh, I've used him many times before. I'll use him again. I'm speaking of Isaiah. Every Christmas season is a joy for Janet and me as we reread Isaiah and we rejoice in the Lord's coming to save us. Let's listen as once again, British actor David Suchet shares with us Isaiah 45. Gather together and come. Assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be, presented. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. That's Isaiah 45, 20 to 25, thanks to our friends at BibleGateway.com. Isaiah's prophetic ministry was in the 8th century B.C. He was called on by God to bring a kind of lawsuit against the people. God had warned them that if they turn away from him, he would kick them out of the land, that promised land. By the time Isaiah was called to be a prophet, the people had been turning away from God and doing it for centuries. What we just heard was a glimpse of their future. The Israelites would indeed be kicked out of the land. Isaiah got right to the point. Their problem was their idolatry. They were worshiping idols of wood and gods that cannot save. Idols can't even talk, let alone predict the future or save people. We might read that and think to ourselves that those Israelites were silly to worship inanimate objects. But I'm willing to bet we've all spent more time today looking at our smartphones, our TV or computer than we have reading the Bible or praying in the Spirit to the Lord. If someone were simply watching your behavior throughout your day, what would they think you worship? Idolatry can be so deceptive and it's still so pervasive. We know that money can't save us, but sometimes we think it can. We know our phones can't save us. Inanimate objects can't speak or hear. The Lord alone speaks, predicts, and he also saves. I need to hear this again today, and I think you do as well. The Lord alone is the one we worship. He's our king. We bow our knees to only him. It reminds me of a favorite sermon. A pastor named Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge delivered a sermon in Detroit in 1976. 
He titled it, That's My King. I wish we could listen to the entire sermon, but let's listen to a minute or so to be reminded of the Lord we worship. That's my king. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. Nobody can keep him from saving me. Nobody can keep him. I don't care what you tell him about me. He knows me. Yeah, there's no barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. That's my king. And what I like about it, he doesn't need me, and he doesn't need you. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august, and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is supreme and preeminent. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's in every way able to satisfy every need, your need and mine, and everybody's need simultaneously. He can hear all of us pray at the same time. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Now that's my king. Well, do you know him? Do you know him? Hey! Do you know him? That's my king. Well, I ask you, do you know him? Dr. S. M. Lockridge, preaching on the glories of Christ our King. We should ask ourselves his question, do you know him? And if you know him, are you following him? Israel knew their king, but they were failing to follow him. The Lord had called Israel to be his servants, but they were serving themselves instead, bowing down to themselves as kings and lords. But remember what the Lord said in verse 23? By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. Sound familiar? Well, when Saul became Paul, this passage must have jumped out at him. And in Philippians 2, the first 11 verses, we hear how he reinterpreted that in light of Jesus Christ. Let's listen to this passage out of Philippians and the New Testament, a letter of Paul. 
Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Coming out of Philippians, one of Paul's letters to one of the early churches, again read by David Suchet, and I'm Charles Morris here on a program called Paul's Old New Testament. The Call to Servanthood is in all of the verses that we have shared today. Don't act selfishly. Treat others as more important than yourself. Consider the interests of others above your own. As America, Canada, the world continue to reckon with racism or all kinds of discrimination, I don't think there's a better call for us. We need to be humble enough to truly listen and to consider the interests and concerns of others, no matter who they are as more significant than who we are. What Isaiah had called upon Israel to be in the 8th century BC is the same thing Paul calls all believers to be in the 1st century and the 21st century, servants. But why should we? Why should we say that our neighbor is more important than us? Why should we humble ourselves and not insist on our own rights or opinions as always being what counts the most? Our fuel for this kind of radical servanthood is none other than Jesus himself. That's what Paul told us in verse 5 that we just heard, and what followed is often called the Carmen Christi, one of a handful of Christ hymns in the New Testament. This is one of the high points of Scripture. Here we learn that Christ came down from heaven and made himself nothing. Some translations read, he emptied himself. No, that doesn't mean he got rid of his divine nature. It means exactly what it says, that he became a servant. You see the depth of what Paul was saying? The Son of God, with all authority and power and wisdom and might, became a servant, even to the point of dying on a cross, the most humiliating death of the day, taking the punishment for our failure to serve others. Who's the one to whom every knee will bow and tongue confess? On the final day, in Isaiah, it was the Lord, Yahweh himself. But here in Philippians, Paul shows us that it is Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, none other than the eternal Son of God. In recent weeks, 
We've seen the posture of a bowing knee twisted into an act of oppression and violence. A knee bowing on the neck of another man. That's not humility, and it's certainly not servanthood. But one day, every knee will bow. Not in arrogance, but in submission. Some will bow gladly. Others will bow in fear. But everyone, we're told, will bow. He is Jesus, the exalted Lord, and he's coming again in power. He came as a servant, and that is to challenge us. It challenges me. How am I treating others as more important than myself? How can I? By looking in faith to Christ, who gave up everything to save me, to save you. He's looked out for our deepest interests, and he alone can save. Won't you join me and bow your knee to him today? Jesus, you are. Jesus, you were. Jesus, you will always be A perfect servant to us A perfect servant to death Even death on a cross Give us a picture of your face Show us the measure of your grace Selfishness that will consider them better. We are yours. Give us hearts of Shane and Shane, my, they sound great, and hearts of servants. 
here on this Haven Today and a program called Paul's Old New Testament. I think we all would have enjoyed and grown a lot spiritually had we been there with Paul as he traveled the known world of his day preaching the gospel. Well, thanks to the special DVD two-part series called In the Footsteps of Paul, you can join him in a way. It's hosted by British actor David Suchet. We've already heard from him today, a talented actor who was born Jewish but became a follower of Jesus at age 40. The film was produced for the BBC. It'll give you a new sense of realism as you read your Bible. Why don't you call us right now for your copy of In the Footsteps of Paul. But make a gift to help us keep sharing Jesus And before you get in touch, pray about how generous you can be as we're coming up on our fiscal year end. Our number you can call right now is 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or go make your gift on our website at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And... As we need to go in just a minute, let me just remind you that we're looking for Haven Partners. That's somebody who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to help us keep sharing Jesus, not just with you, but with others. Let's not be selfish about it. Ask about becoming a Haven Partner when you call us or read about it when you go online. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? But again, on Thursday... We'll be sharing together this great story, the story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? These are two of the most penetrating spiritual questions anyone can ask. Jesus asked them of Mary Magdalene in John 21, outside the empty tomb, after his resurrection. Mary's world had just fallen apart, and she had no idea Jesus was alive. Now, Jesus already knew the answers to those questions, but he asked them anyway. And it's worth asking yourself the same questions, too. Why are you weeping? And whom are you seeking? Or to put it another way, where does your soul hurt? And what are you seeking after to make everything better? If you're seeking Jesus, the answer is right in front of you. Anchor Devotional is daily encouragement from God's Word. Visit GetAnchor.com.